On today's Murder, She Wrote podcast, Jessica finds herself in Connecticut, where she has to help the Department of Defense solve not one, but two murders, in a very interesting but confusing episode. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Murder, She Wrote podcast, where I watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show, Murder, She Wrote, starring three-time Academy Award nominee and six-time Tony Award winner, Miss Angela Lansbury. Today, I'm going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 16, Murder Through the Looking Glass, air date February 21st. 1988. As always, I spoil everything there's a spoil about the episode, the murder of the suspects in between. Everything. Everything. I uh, analyze it. I recap it. I talk about everything in the episode. So if you own the DVDs like I do, get out your season four disc set. Insert disc three. In, no, disc four. Into your DVD player. And this is the second episode on that disc. If you don't own the DVDs... Um, you are probably still watching Murder, She Wrote via Peacock, but it's not free. It's in the premium section, so you have to shell out like four bucks each month to be able to watch it. Or nine bucks if you don't want to watch it with commercials. Which I'm told that the commercials are not that bad. My best friend Jennifer has Peacock and she loves it, but I don't have it. Um, thinking of getting it though. Um, so you can watch Murder, She Wrote that way. Um, I, uh, it just started airing on Start TV, but I don't know the times. It also, for some reason, and I don't understand this, started airing on the Great American Family Channel, which this is a show about murder, so I don't understand why that's on there. But however you listen to me, do what you do, because spoilers. Alright, so before I get started, I just want to to thank my listeners. I have 40 followers on Spotify, and my audience has grown. On Apple Podcasts, 31.3%, uh, Victor Reader have not 26.3%, Google Podcasts, 13.8%, and of course Spotify, 38 Thank you all for listening. 70, 76% of my audience is in the United States, 9% U, United Kingdom, 5% in Canada, 2% in Australia, and 2% in Spain. Thank you so much for your continued support. I am sorry I have not posted a lot of episodes this month like I promised I would. I know it's almost the end. We have two weeks left. But the weather has been crazy here. Um, We have excessive heat days, which is almost the same as extreme heat days, but there's a difference. And I do not like the heat. Also, 66.7% of my audience is female. And 33%, 0.3% is male. 
So thank you so much for your continued support. I am so, so happy you're here. And as I have said multiple times, this is a safe space for all of us. And I hope that I can entertain you in some way to get away from whatever is going on in your life that we can talk about a show that aired over 30 years ago that is still hilarious to this day. And this episode was interesting, to say the least. You know, they say that season four is okay. But they say that season five is, like, really bizarre. But season four has had some bizarre episodes. Um... But before I get into it, I promise I am going to review Haunted Mansion at the end of the video. I know that I wasn't able to do it in the last episode, but I will be doing it in this one. I promise. Because I really loved that movie, and I got a lot to say about it that I, I didn't say on YouTube. But I did do a review of it on my YouTube channel, so if you want to look that up, I guess just look up Haunted Mansion review and I should pop up. I got very vulnerable when I reviewed it, though. I talked about my father. Um, and pretty much what I talked about on here in another episode about how I had to take care of him over myself. My siblings did not stay to help me. And I was alone with his body for four hours and thought of unaliving myself and suicide in my opinion is not painless and you matter and you're here for a reason so just remember that you are enough and you belong here because if you love murder she wrote as much as I do that's why we're here so I have seen the latest batch of trailers this this week, and honestly, nothing pops out. Nothing noteworthy of talking about. They have, um, I don't know if I talked about this in my last episode, um, but they are going to be making a prequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And honestly, I can say that the that my response to that is why. Um, there's virtually no suspense there because we know exactly what happens because of Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory and of course Charlie and the Chocolate Factory so there's really no reason to uh, wonder what's going on there. So I don't know why they're doing that but they're also doing a sequel to My Big Fat Greek Wedding. This will be three and I really don't know why they wanted to make a sequel to that. The first one was hilarious. I don't think we needed a second or a third. But to each their own. I still, um, I know that the strikes are still going on. I hope that it gets resolved soon and people get their jobs back and get what they need and get what they want. Still don't really understand it, but still in support of my favorite actors. I hope they get what they need, and I hope the crew members get what they need, and everybody settles it peacefully and nicely. I hope that my listeners, if there's any, in California was not affected too bad by Hurricane Hillary, 
and the earthquake they had yesterday as well before they were waiting for the for the hurricane. And like I said, this week is going to be a whirlwind of bad weather for us here in Kentucky. We're having excessive heat days and have an excessive heat warning in effect until like Thursday or Friday of this week. And we also have an air quality alert. So yeah, not, not, not a good week for me. I am hibernating and staying in with my radio and air conditioner blasting. But that means that you all might get another episode this week of Murder, She Wrote after this one. Who knows? Alright, so speaking of Murder, She Wrote, let's get into this crazy episode. I honestly was very confused by this one because there's lots of details that is hard to get straight the first time, second time, but by the third time, I think I finally got it. Like they say by George, I think I finally got it. And I thought that, you know, the curse of the ruby had the most bizarre opening, but this is kind of up there. It's like Murder, She Wrote is just going for the shock factor, I think. I mean, it is amazing to me that the previous episode uh, Morning Among the Wisterias was aired on Valentine's Day. I mean, I just can't get over that. And this one aired on February 21st, 1988. The two most popular movies when this episode aired was Good Morning Vietnam and Three Men and a Baby. Still going strong. Um... I have not seen either one of these movies. Maybe I've seen Three Men and a Baby, but I know I haven't seen Good Morning Vietnam. Everybody says I should. Um, maybe I will someday. Um, Alright, so let's get into this episode. I don't think there's anything else that I want to... Oh. There was a woman who was killed in Florida who had a rainbow flag in her house. Um or not in her house, but like outside of her house. Her name was Laura Rose. I can't pronounce her last name, but, um, she was an ally and cared a lot about people in the LGBTQ plus community. And, um, I, I just, I don't understand why, why stuff like that has to happen. So my thoughts and prayers go out to her family. All right, let's, um, let's get into, um, murder. She wrote, let's not talk about, Something really sad, but yeah, it is sad. It really is. And I'm not even going to talk about you-know-who getting arrested and possibly going to jail, but you know what? I will say this. They need to do whatever it is they're going to do because I'm really sick and tired of hearing about it. And that's all I need to say. And if you know, you know. You know who. Our former president of the United States. Uh. Alright, so this episode of Murder, She Wrote was very different than the last episode. Like, it's not southern-oriented like the last one. We are now in Connecticut, which means we are in Yankee country. Ha <laughs> uh, Just a little joke. Um, and this is heavily influenced with the Department of Defense, so it was very confusing... I did not look anything up because I didn't want to get in trouble. And I, I will explain as I go along. Um, so 
We start off this episode with two men in a car driving. They stop the car on a bridge where there is water. And uh, one gets out and he is wearing Coke bottle glasses. Older man with a gun with a silencer on it. And he looks like Mrs. Billing, Mrs. Beasley's husband. That was a doll. I say that because of the glasses, but to remind you, Mrs. Beasley was made in 1967 by Mattel. She was featured on the television sitcom Family Affair as little Buffy's favorite doll. Mrs. Beasley was a 21-inch pull-string doll that came with glasses and an apron and could say 10 phrases. And because of the glasses, it kind of reminded me of, of Mrs. Beasley. Just a fun little joke. I mean, my mother had glasses that kind of looked like Mrs. Beasley. <laughs> so anyway, he and this other guy get out of the car and he tells him to take two steps back and to face him. And then the guy says, "Who? if you don't mind me asking, who ordered this hit? And the guy with glasses says, what does it matter? You're not, you're not going to care where you're going. And uh, so we zoom in on the car headlight as we hear two gunshots. This is important for later on. So then he gets in the car and he drives away. Meanwhile, Jessica is at the Hartford Hotel in Connecticut giving a lecture at some thing called best-selling authors or something like that. She comes out of the theater and everybody is giving her compliments. And one random dude says, Hey, I don't think you got to finish your dessert. There's a really great place that serves really awesome coffee around the corner. Would you like to go? And Jessica says, Oh yes, I'd love that. Meanwhile, the man with glasses who shot the dude at the beginning of the episode, is now swerving around the road because he is having some sort of heart attack. Jessica and the guy come out of the restaurant just in time to see this man swerve in and out of cars and then hit a parked car. And Jessica and this random guy are the only two people that go over to see if this dude is okay. They open the car door and he says, My heart. I can't breathe. So he goes to call an ambulance. Jessica leans her head in and says, Are you alright? And he says, A priest. I need a priest. Well, as luck would have it, a guy just so happens to be driving by and he's a priest. Uh-huh. So Jessica goes, Oh, Father, oh, please come here. So Jessica then leans back in the car to tell the man that the priest is on his way, but the man thinks the priest is there and says, Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Tonight, I killed a man named Carl. Carl. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Carl. Bisco. Not Bisco. Carl Cosgrove. Sorry. <laughs> Cosgrove, Cosgrove. I got to think of like Cosmo from like Very Odd Parents to make this work. Um, 
Anyway, um, and he tells us where he's from, the, the guy he killed, and then he dies. And then the priest shows up right when he dies. I'm like, what, you were across the street, what stopped you? There didn't seem to be that many cars. So the guy dies, and we cut to the next day. Um, Jessica goes to the police station, and we meet Lieutenant Cooper, who is a very interesting lieutenant. At times he's a bit annoying, but he gets the job done. He is apparently having a fight with his wife, Edna. She asked him his opinion on a dress, and he told her, and she decided to go run off somewhere because she's mad at him. So Jessica sits down and asks about if there's any updates. Basically, M Lieutenant Cooper says that the man had no identification on him whatsoever. Jessica says that that seems weird that he wouldn't have a driver's license. And then the episode jumps the shark. Not the series, the episode. Because Jessica says, oh, well, maybe he was a hitman. And he was trying to conceal his identity. Yeah, don't know how she made that leap. She says basically it was painfully obvious the way the man was acting and how he wanted a priest to confess. Maybe it was his final hit and he didn't want that on his conscience when he died. And I'm like, um, I get that you're intuitive, Jessica, but how in the world did you make that leap? I mean, there's nothing about the guy that would basically explain how you even jumped to that conclusion. I mean, a hitman. Really? He was old. I mean, he really was old. And, and they were obviously proud of this opening because he is part of the thumbnail when you go to watch the episode. Um, so, Jessica says, well, you have a right to find out if this Carl... Cosgrove is alive or dead because he said he killed him. So he said, okay, fine. He gets information on the phone. He calls. Mrs. Cosgrove answers the phone and says that her husband is perfectly fine. He's upstairs sleeping off an asthma attack. Uh-huh. So Jessica's like, are you sure there's not another Carl... Cosgrove somewhere where you live because we have reason to believe that he's in danger and she goes who am I speaking to oh Jessica Fletcher sorry and and like Jessica tries to ask more questions and the Lieutenant Cooper is like thank you Mrs. Cosgrove goodbye and abruptly hangs up the phone and he says I don't know what you think you're doing but you're not you're not doing this and uh, she goes okay well can I go now and he says, yes, you can go now. She said, thanks for your help. But says it sort of sarcastically. He says, don't mention it ever. So in true Jessica fashion and in true Murder, She Wrote fashion, Jessica is somehow able to find the address of where this person lives. And when we find out what this place actually is, how in the hell did she find the address? And why in the hell do they have a phone number listed? This is important, so I'm going to tell you here in a minute. So when Jessica shows up to this place, there's a security camera. 
and she identifies herself to the guard and says that she had called Mrs. Cosgrove. So inside the house, we have three men looking at a bunch of computer monitors. We have no idea who these men are, but they decide to let her in to get it over with. So, Mrs. Cosgrove answers the door and lets Jessica in. Jessica says she felt that she owed her an explanation because Lieutenant Cooper just abruptly hung up the phone and she said, Oh, yes, I have been very interested since I got the phone call of what was going on. So Jessica says, Okay, um, we believe that somebody, a concerned citizen, said that Carl was in danger. And she goes, can I please, or she doesn't ask, um, Mrs. Cosgrove offers Jessica to go meet her husband. She takes Jessica upstairs to the bedroom and she shows him to her. And he has like an oxygen mask on his face, so she can't really see him. She then notices right away that there's a two-way mirror in the bedroom. And behind that are the men we saw earlier which seems to be a completely different room than what we see them in before. Um, and the house itself looks like the house from Beaches. But I could be wrong. Anyway, so Jessica is immediately very suspicious of this guy. She doesn't think that what she's seeing is real, but she basically accepts it as fact. And they think that's that. They are, they're acting, they're all acting very suspicious. We won't find out exactly who they are just yet. So we cut to Jessica's hotel. She comes and the desk clerk says, Oh, Mrs. Fletcher, a Father Francis was looking for, for you. And she goes, Father Francis? Oh, you mean a priest? Come on, murder, she wrote. You can't make her smart and everything else and then have her have a line where she goes, Father Francis? Oh, a priest? Well, duh. I mean, who else calls themselves father? Other than, obviously, a actual father of children. Um, but he says he wants you to meet him at, his, at the church. That I'm guessing is, like, not that far from the hotel. So she goes to this church, St. Jerome... And she walks in and it's all quiet. And then he comes out of nowhere, scares the crap out of us, the viewers, and her. Because there's no music cue. There's no nothing. He just comes completely out of left field. Um, he goes, oh, Mrs. Fletcher, I'm so glad that you can come. And she says, um, why exactly, or how do you know my name? And he says, oh, the I described you perfectly to the desk clerk, and he told me your name. I find that hard to believe. So he says, I want to know the dead man's confession. So Jessica is not bound by the confession because she's not a priest. If you're a priest and someone confesses a murder to you, you're bound by some sort of law. I don't know. I did not look it up because I don't want Google to think I'm trying to murder somebody. 
because there were so many questions I had about this episode, but I didn't want to look it up because I didn't want Google to like alert the authorities and be like, oh my god, I think he's planning to murder someone. No, I would never ever have the capacity to actually kill someone. Um, so, um, he basically explains that the man in the car, she basically says that he confessed to killing Carl Cosgrove and the priest says, oh yes, I heard that he was identified as a professional killer because someone identified him from another city. How in the hell is that possible? I mean, I've seen James Bond. I know the whole spy thing. I know the whole professional killer thing. Because I've seen that in many movies and TV shows. They don't let anyone know where they are. So it seems highly unlikely that anyone would be able to identify him. But okay, whatever. We'll, we'll take it. Um, so... They're talking, and um, a priest suddenly appears, and he acts weirdly suspicious when the when the other priest says, "Oh, Father, could I please help you?" And he says, "No, I am absolutely fine." And he does it in such a weird way that this other priest is just like, "Okay." So then. She, like, hits him with some weird scripture that's from, like, a Greek god or something. I'm not even going to try to relay this to you because I didn't understand it. Wasn't important. She was trying to slip him up, you know, trying to, like, 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 try to do, like, a Bible verse, only trip him up that it's, like, a saint when it's not. And it's not a Bible verse. It's, like, a quote from a Greek god or something. I don't know. But anyway, so then the priest comes out. The other, the other priest comes out and says, do, would, you, would you happen to be Mrs. Fletcher? Because an older boy whispers in his ear and tells him there's a phone call for her. And she goes, yes. And he says, a lieutenant is looking for you. So she goes in. But before he goes, before she goes into his office to take the call, he says, Father Sweeney. <laughs> doesn't see very good and obviously didn't recognize him. So she goes in and she realizes that the reverend's name is Keith something. Um, so she picks up the phone and she's like, Lieutenant Cooper, how'd you know I was here? And Lieutenant Cooper says, the desk clerk. Um, I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't work at a hotel, but I am pretty sure that they would not be allowed to be like, oh yeah, she's at the She's at the mall, or she's here. I, they don't tell you where their guests are. You leave a message, and then that's that. Especially going as far as to, like, knowing, telling the exact church that she's at so he can get a hold of her. But then he says, I would feel it as a personal favor if you would please come here right now. And she says, what's happened? And he said, well, we found a body in the, in the Connecticut River. And the, the identification on it is for Carl Cosgrove. And he's been shot in the head and the heart. It appears that you were right. Dun, dun, dun. So Jessica goes to the police station. And Lieutenant Cooper is trying to talk to his wife's cousin. 
he gets the number. Jessica comes in and he says, So you were right, Mrs. Fletcher. Carl Cosgrove is dead. And she goes, Actually, he's lying nice and cozy warm in a bed not too far from here. I saw him yesterday, and he's recovered quite nicely from being shot in the head and the heart and being thrown in the Connecticut River. He's taking it quite well. And I laugh so hard at that line. I think it's the best one yet that they've given her. And he goes, you saw him? And she says, yes. And he goes, you weren't supposed to interfere with a police investigation. And she said, excuse me, Lieutenant Cooper, but there was no investigation and you practically threw me out of this police station yesterday. So I had every right to go up there and check it out for myself. Fine, fine, fine. So then somebody hands him pictures of, of, of the man that died in the river. And he lets her look at him and she goes, that is not the man I saw at that house. He goes, well, it's time for a visit. So he goes to the house. Now, meanwhile, after Jessica had left, I forgot a little scene. We find out that the man that is in the bed is a formal is a foreign dignitary who is who is in America to negotiate for more money because his country is going through a revolution and he needs money for his country. And he has his bodyguard there um, named... Uh... Oh, yes. And the reason why the episode is called Murder Through the Looking Glass is because there's a two-way mirror which I'm sorry if you were going to use that. There should have been something way better than this. Um, but um, his name is Sanchez. And Delgato is the man that is in the uh, bed. So the lieutenant and Jessica go back to the house. And they demand to be let in. And they're let in. And we still do not know who any of these people are. But one of them is Robert Reed. You know, Mr. Brady from the Brady Bunch. This is his second guest appearance in Murder, She Wrote. He was in Footnote to Murder, where he played a flamboyant, obviously gay author in that episode. And it really is sad. Robert Reed was cast as Mr. Brady. He was gay in real life. And, you know, I learned something interesting because I was wondering... You know, what came first? The Brady's on Days of Our Lives or the Brady Bunch? Days of Our Lives premiered in 1965 and the prominent family was the Brady's because we had the Brady Pub. I don't watch that, but I, I used to. Days of Our Lives. And then we had the Brady Bunch, which actually premiered in 1969. And 1988 was when they did a, a very Brady Christmas where they brought them all back with the exception of the actress who played um, the little one, Pigtails, she didn't come back. Um, she was played by a different actress. And um, from this popular TV movie special, whatever you want to call it, they turned the Brady's, the Brady Bunch, into the Brady's, which was a freaking soap opera. Where they took this these sitcom characters who everyone had grown up with throughout the 1970s and turned them into 
full-blown dramafied. Like, uh, Marsha had a drinking problem and a pill addiction. Um, Bobby, I think, got paralyzed by racing in a race car. It, they're all on YouTube if you want to watch them. And Robert Reed and Florence Henderson was in them. And it's like, you know, I feel so bad for the people involved in the Brady Bunch. It was a great show, but they were often typecast because of their roles of being way too perfect especially Florence Henderson and Robert Reed and they didn't get to shine they really did not I hope he gets I hope this is not his last episode I really I really don't but in this episode he's playing an unfeeling agent so they come to the house and we find out that this is a safe house for the Department of Defense which brings up my point from before of if this is a safe house why is this address listed to where anyone can show up here? I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. We find out that Mr. Delgato is here from some foreign country and he's getting negotiating in Washington, supposedly supposed to negotiate in Washington for more American dollars to save his people from the soldiers and get food and all that. And his bodyguard is there bodyguarding him. Um, we also find out that Carl Cosgrove is not a real person. It is just an alias that all of them use from time to time. There is not a such person that exists. But the person who died at the beginning of the episode, who was killed by the hitman, was named... Adams, who was the chief agent on the case, and he was closely involved with Mrs. the fake Mrs. Cosgrove, which we do not know her real name either. And they don't tell us much. They basically reveal that they know everything there is to know about Jessica, and she is shocked, and basically. The main agent, played by Robert Reed, basically says, don't get any ideas of turning this into a book. And Lieutenant Cooper is like, hey, you know, like, I have an investigation. Who is this guy? And all they say is his name was Adams. But they don't want to release to the public that the, that the chief of this operation for the Department of Defense died. And I was curious about all of this, but decided again not to not to look it up because I was I was afraid that I would get in trouble. Cause I don't know if any of this is true. I don't want to know actually, but you know. Anyway, so the lieutenant and Jessica again leave the house and with no answers. Delgado wants to leave so he can go to Washington and and get like his interview with the president or the secretary of defense or whatever it is. But they won't let him go. He needs to stay there. No explanation is given as to why. So Jessica goes back to, ho back to her hotel room. She's exhausted, confused. She doesn't under probably, you know, trying to process all the information. And as she sits down and takes off her shoes, she notices that there's a beer sitting on the table and that's strange because well 
Does Jessica drink beer? I don't know. I would probably say no. I don't think she does. But then again, I don't know. So she picks it up and is examining it. And Father Francis has broken into her room. And uh, he says, that was mine. I didn't know how long I was going to have to wait. He said, you know, you slipped me up with that scripture you said in the, in the church. She goes, well, I'm going to call Lieutenant Cooper and I'm going to tell him that you're obviously not a priest. And he unplugs the phone. I mean, back then, I could have swore that the phone line was in the wall and you literally had to pull the phone line out to make the phone not be able to be usable, not unplug it from the wall. I do that now. But a lot of people didn't do that then. But anyway, he pulls it out of the... He unplugs it from the wall and he basically explains that he, or he wants to explain everything to her, but he doesn't want to explain it in her hotel room because it might be bugged. And this is where the episode confused the hell out of me because I wondered. So they go to a park and it is hilarious. I don't know, inside joke, whatever. No skateboarding at any time, and yet we see multiple people skateboarding in the wide shot. Anyway, they sit down on a bench, and Father Father Francis begins to explain his tale. And the people in the room are, are as follows. The now chief person, played by Robert Reed, is Jackson. Basically... He, after Adams gets killed, is now in charge of the whole operation. You have the junior partner, Van Buren, or Van Buren, and the intern, Pierce, who's younger than all of them. And then you have the fake Ellen Cosgrove. Then you have the dignitary Delgato and his bodyguard, who's very loyal to him. And for some reason, during this monologue, when we're learning about them, they cut to them, and I think they're listening to him. But after seeing the episode three times, I don't think they're listening to him. But for some reason, they decide to show how loyal the bodyguard is by giving Delgado a massage. I really did not get that part. But okie dokie then. And he is on the outside to make sure that that the operation runs smoothly. But they believe that there is a traitor amongst them. Adams believed that. And Father Francis, who's not really Father Francis, but we don't know who any of these people's real names are. Suggests that since Jessica has been at the house, she can go in and find out what's going on. Using the angle of writing a book. He even mentions that he looked up her file and found out all there is about her too. He then says that later if she wants to, they can go over her file and he'll take anything out that she doesn't want people to know. Oh boy. He even says that there is a list of assassins, a.k.a. hitmen, ready 
to be called if need be, which is scary. I hope it's not true. Um, so then when he asks her to be a spy for him so that he can, you know, patent their file, her words, not mine, she flat out refuses. Then she gets a call from the secretary of defense at her hotel room and, and decides to go ahead and do it. So she shows up at the house. Meanwhile, Jackson, played by Robert Reed, tells Ellen, because she was involved with Adams, that he's going to replace her because she is showing her emotions and you're not supposed to. He's unfeeling, devoid of all emotion in this episode. Robert Reed's character is. And he says he will replace her first thing, but she doesn't immediately get replaced. So, Jessica comes to the house and she tells Jackson that this safe house is very fascinating and that she wants to write a book about it. The lieutenant shows up as well and wants answers about what's going on. And in the confusion, Delgato is found to be murdered by his bodyguard. This puts the house on lockdown, as no one knows who could have murdered him. Before Jessica goes to the house, though, Father Francis gives her a make a lipstick that is a locator device so that they can come in if anything goes wrong. When it's revealed that Delgato is killed, she hits the lipstick and Father Francis comes in. Pierce was asleep. He's the young dude. And apparently was very sleepy. He even drank a whole pot of black coffee and still was unable to stay awake. Basically, Jessica begins to put two and two together and realizes that maybe somebody wanted to pay for Delgado to be assassinated because maybe not everyone in his country wanted him to succeed since they are in the middle of a revolution. Jessica then has her epiphany when she's talking to Ellen and realizes that no one could possibly have known where Adams was going. And then she remembers something I forgot to tell you. That Van Buren said, how could you let him meet someone in a dark parking lot? Meaning, our killer is none other than the junior partner, Van Buren. Van Buren basically wanted to kill Delgato because there was a fee for assassinating him. So he had to get Agent Ames, Adam, sorry, out of the way so that he would be able to kill Delgato. And here's how he did it. He drugged Pierce with some sort of sleeping potion and then killed him on his shift then made it seem as if he was sleeping, and then was hoping the bodyguard would go up there and discover his employer dead, all under the disguise of getting the money. Eventually, the lieutenant almost misses his opportunity to talk to his wife, and that's where the episode ends. Honestly, this one was very hard to follow. The 
not knowing who the people were in the house, the fact that it's supposed to be a safe house, but Jessica's able to find it and go to it with no problem. Not once, not twice, but three freaking times. And she's let in, along with the lieutenant. And then they say that when they first come, they've been compromised, but nothing changes. They don't leave the house. You know, they'd be gone. And a couple of the episodes was mentioned, like uh, Jackson mentioned, you know, Jessica being involved on Capitol Hill and, you know, in the episode Capitol Murder and then helping the K, the K, like stop the KGB from hurting the, the people who were trying to deflect from Russia in the ballet episode or something like that. So at least we had some continuity there and they realized she's more than a mystery writer. But anyway, let's go over the guest stars, shall we? Cliff D. Young played Father Patrick Francis. We don't know his real character's name. Um, and he has been in multiple things. Like, I can't even narrow it down. Um, but he's still with us. And he is known for The Craft, 1996. The Hunger, 1983. Shock Treatment, 1991. Sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Considered one of the worst movies ever made. And Glory, 1989. Last known credit is in 2020 and Reality Queen. He was in 138 different credits. He has one upcoming called The Letter Leather Stocking Tales, a TV miniseries. Oh, what was released in 1984? What? Get your stuff together here at IMDb. Okay, so... Oh, he was in The Young and the Restless. In 2007. That doesn't help me. Hold on. Oh, Love's Enduring Promise. Yes, I remember that movie, but I don't remember him being in it. Touched by an Angel, CSI. Oh, The Secret Life of, of Zoe. I remember that movie. That was good. The West Wing, The Guardian, The Chronicle, The District, The Runaway. Oh, that's a TV movie. Sorry. Aha, yes. He was in the John Bonet uh, miniseries about the John Bonet Ramsey murder mystery. He played the father. My mother was obsessed with that case, so I remember that movie well. Jag, Melrose Place, The Practice Diagnosis Murder, Time Cop, Pacific Blue, Suicide Kings. Lots of TV movies. Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. North and South Book 3, which was not a good adaptation. The first two was The X-Files, The Tommy Knockers miniseries, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, oh, and let's see. He will be in seasons five and eight of Murder, She Wrote. So this is his first guest appearance. So we will go over more of his guest starring roles when we get there. Hopefully, I will remember that he was in this episode. I probably won't. Lawrence Luckinbill. Okay. 
played Sergeant Cooper. He is still with us. He is known for Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, 1989, Cocktail, 1988, Lucy and Desi, A Home Movie, 1993, The Boys in the Band, 1970. Last known credit was in 2005 in a TV movie called The Exonerated. Oh... Let's see here. He was in season two. And a lady in the lake is Howard Crane. Oh! Everybody thought he killed his life. Oh! Wow, he was a completely different character in here. Um, He will be in season nine and season 11. Okie dokie. Oh, he was also in All My Children as Dr. Walsh. Don't remember him. I love All My Children, though. Let's see if this is Robert Reed's final guest starring role in all... On Murder, She Wrote. He died in 1992 at the age of 59. He's, of course, known for... The Brady Bunch in 117 episodes. The Brady Bunch Variety Hour, which everybody associated with that was not happy. Rich Man, Poor Man, TV miniseries. And Roots. Was it the original Roots? I haven't seen that in a long time. Good movie. Last known credit was two episodes in Jake and the Fat Man. Yes! He will be in another episode in season seven. Yes! I can't wait. And it is true. Okay, so the Brady's TV show actually came out in 1990, so I was a little bit off by my date, but it is like a like a soap opera with the Brady's, and it is on YouTube, so I encourage you to check it out. Very interesting, the direction they tried to go, go in with that series. I think it was canceled after only five episodes. Mark, uh... S-H-E-R-A played our murderer Van Buren and I think he's been in an episode before. He looked familiar to me but I couldn't quite place him. It's like guys sometimes I can remember sometimes I can't. He's still with us. Alright. He is known for Barnaby Jones in 93 episodes from 1976 to 1980. Taken in 2002. A TV show. Miniseries. Murder She Wrote. Four episodes. Raymond and SWAT in 37 episodes in the original SWAT. Last known credit was that 2002 thing I said. Taken. Also Beverly Hills 90210. And let's see, I know he was in an episode before. What was it? Ah, Capital Defense. And they actually make a reference to that episode in this one. Um, so it's nice to see he's in this one. Um, he was also in season three in Death Stalks the Big Top. That's it. And this is his final guest starring role. Ah, so let's see what else he was in. 
Um, Crazy Like a Fox, never heard of that. Blake's Magic, New Love, Fantasy Island. Matt Houston. Aloha Paradise, Sweepstakes, Gunsmoke. And his first credit was a TV movie called Nikki's World in 1974. I guess he retired from acting. Okie dokie. Nice. You were, he was good in this episode. Really good. Uh, Dan S-H-O-R played Pierce. I think he's been in an episode of Murder, She before. He looked familiar. Or he's been in something I've seen. And I've watched a lot of TV in my lifetime. So let's see. He's still with us. He is known for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, 1989. Tron, 1992. It's quite possible that that's what I've seen him in. Black Moon Rising, 1986, and Air Force One, 1997. Last known credit was in 2022 in The Blacklist. He was also in Jessica Jones, Blue Bloods, Tron the Next Day, uh, X-Files, Judging Amy, Good show, Judging Amy. Star Trek Voyager. Um, ghoulies Go to College. <laughs> Star Trek, The Next Generation. Everybody seems to really love this dude from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, the, this is his only episode of Murder, she wrote. And apparently he was in 20 episodes in Cagney and Lacey. So Interesting. Lots of TV movies like Mike's Murder, My Mom's Secret Life, um, This Girl for Hire, yikes, um, The Blue and the Gray miniseries. So Tron's probably what I've seen him from. I, I did see the original Tron. It was weird, but it was also good. Knott's Landing, The Boy Who Drank Too Much, um, Once Upon a Classic was his first role in 1978. Eight. It was a TV show. I don't know. Never heard of it. Okay. So let's see here. Um, Gregory um, S-I-E-R-R-A played the bodyguard for Digato, And I think I've seen him before too. He died in 2021 at the age of 83. He is known for the Towering Inferno. Yes! As Carlos in 1974, I remember. Beneath the Planet of the Apes, 1970. Vampires, John Carpenter's Vampires, 1998. And Deep Cover, 1992. Last known credit was in 2018, The Other Side of the Wind. Okay. Walker, Texas Ranger. Six episodes of Murder, She Wrote. Oh boy. He was in Broadway Melody. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. In season one. Guys, it has been so long since I thought of season one. Um, he will appear in seasons eight, nine, and 11. Wow. Um, good actor. Very good actor. So many good things. And, yes, I loved him in The Towering Inferno. Out of the kids survive almost getting blown up when they're trying to get out of the building he gives them ice cream karen valentine played the fake mrs cosgrove 
I think she's was in an episode of Murder She Wrote. I'm not sure. Before this, she's known for Room Two Two Twenty Two, 113 episodes. Never heard of that. Gidget Grows Up, 1969. The North Avenue Irregulars, 1979. And The Girl Who Came Gift Wrap, 1974. Um, that's a TV movie. Last known credit was in 2004 in a TV movie called Wedding Days Family Law Civil. CBS School Break Special. <laughs> Twilight Zone. Oh, this is our only episode of Murder, she wrote. Hotel. The Magical World of Disney. Love it. Um, so, what did I see her in? Love Boat, Fantasy Island, Starsky and Hutch, McMullen and Wife, Having Babies TV movie, Love Boat TV movie. I don't know. Her first known credit was in 1964 in the Ed Sullivan Show. Well, she took over the role of Gidget from uh, Sally Field, but it didn't take off. Oh, Victor M-O-H-I-C-A played De Degado, who was our second murder victim. He died in 2019 at the age of 86. He's known for The Final Countdown, 1980, Johnny Firecloud, 1975, Bound by Honor, 1993, and Hill Street Blues, in two episodes in 1986. Last known credit was in 1994 in Days of Our Lives as Miguel or as Manuel Varez. Um, okay. I wasn't watching them, so I don't know. The New Adam 12. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Blake's Magic. Airwolf. Riptide. Kids, The Fall Guy. Hardcastle and McCormick. Um, Barnaby Jones, two episodes. Wonder Woman. The Incredible Hulk. The Fantastic Journey. Police Story, How the West Was Won. Cannon, Six Million Dollar Man. The Rookies. Little House on the Prairie. What episode? Oh, apparently he was in the pilot movie? Um, I've seen that multiple times. I don't remember seeing it. Uh, the Young and the Restless in 1980 to 81. Emergency, two episodes. McCloud. Dark Shadows, uncredited. And The Boy Who Stole a Million was his first role in 1960. He was also on General Hospital when it first premiered in 1963. Awesome! Tom Reese played our hitman, very convincingly. He died in 2017 at the age of 89. He is known for Vanishing Point, 1971. Shadows, 1958. Uh, Ellen Leary Queen, 22 episodes. And Murderer's Row, 1966. 
Last known credit, Dark and Stormy Night, 2009. Before that, Paradise in 1999 to 1991, two episodes. Do you know the Muffin Man 2 movie? Yeah, I watched that. That was like really weird. Uh, this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was also in Moonlighting with uh, Civil Shepherd and Bruce Willis. I would love to watch that. I wish that was on streaming. Um, Knight Rider, Father Murphy, Simon and Simon. Wish that was on streaming. Simon and Simon. Um, the Red Hand Gang, Eight is Enough, Charlie's Angels, Wonder Woman, Police Woman, Gunsmoke, Emergency, Police Story, The Six Million Dollar Man, uh, The Bold Ones, The Protectors, Support Your Local Sheriff, Movie, Dick Tracy TV Movie, The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, oh, he was in that. He was in Bonanza, Rawhide, The Wild Wild West, um, The Untouchables original TV series, The Many Loves of Debbie Gillis, the original Twilight Zone, Have Gun Will Travel, and his first known credit was in 1958 in Shadows. Don't know what that is. But he was convincing as a hitman. And uh, Adams was played by Kurt Scott. He died in 2013 at the age of 77. He is known for Heather's 1988. Just recently watched that. Weird film, but also good. Um, an episode of Quantum Leap in 1999. Dallas in five episodes. And Remington Steel in one episode. Last known credit, Elvis and the Colonel, the untold story TV movie. Life Goes On, TV show, My Boyfriend's Back, Quantum Leap, The Bold and Beautiful, when it originally began airing in 1987. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Also, he was in Dynasty, Remington Steel, Outrage, I don't know, Hotel, It's a Living, TJ Hooker, Simon and Simon, V, Gone Are the Days, The Fall Guy, Starflight, The Plane That Wouldn't Land, That Couldn't Land, Cinderella, 1977, Police Woman, Mission Impossible TV Show, and his first credited role was an episode of Petticoat Junction in 1967. Wow, dude, you go. Long and prosperous career. And that's all our guest stars, guys. Okay. So before I end this episode, I want to talk a little bit about Haunted Mansion 2023. Honestly, when I went to go see this film, I, I went to go see it because I love Tiffany Haddish. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I love Owen Wilson. And I really want, and Danny DeVito. And I really wanted to see them. The trailer looked amazing. And it was a different story than the Eddie Murphy 2003 version, which I cannot believe 2003 was 20 years ago. That just baffles me and blows my mind. But anyway, I was sort of like expecting this to be not good. 
because every single review of this movie was like, this is terrible. This is absolutely horrible. This is a box office bomb. It's terrible. You shouldn't go see it. And I'm the type of person that if you tell me that something is terrible, I have to see it for myself to judge for myself. And that's why I never tell you, you know, if these episodes are bad. And I'm not going to tell you, you know, you should skip this episode or you should skip that one because that's not the kind of person I am. You know, not every single... There was 12 seasons, guys. Not every single episode of Murder, She Wrote is going to be good. Not every single episode of Murder, She Wrote I'm going to like. All right? So I try not to be that kind of person. You know, you form your own opinion. You watch it. And if you agree with me, that's great. If you don't, that's fine, too. It's my opinion. It doesn't have to be yours. Same goes for this movie. Review. But I loved this movie. I cannot wait till this gets released on DVD or Blu-ray because I want to make it part of my collection. Because there was a moment that really connected me with my grief over my father. And as I explained in the opening of this episode, that I, I did a review of it on my YouTube channel and I got vulnerable and I spoke of what I spoke about on here, about my dad. And there was a reason. Because this was about grieving. You know, the main character um, loses his wife in a car accident. And he's grieving. And we have no idea the little boy, um, whose mother is played by Rosio Dawson, hopefully I said that right, whom is another person I love. I meant to mention her, I'm sorry. Um, This is already running long. I don't want it to be too long. But anyway, um... I love her too, ever since I saw her as Mimi and Rent. And, um, you know, we don't realize that he is grieving spoilers for his father. And there is the, the, the hat box ghost is trying to get one more soul for his collection. And this is the example of Disney letting someone be evil. They're not misunderstood, like in Hocus Pocus 2. Um, or Corella being misunderstood in the, the movie Corella or whatever. Um, but this for me hit me harder than I thought it was going to. Like there were hilarious moments, absolutely hilarious moments that I absolutely loved, but there was a moment where the hat box ghost is trying to lower the little boy into the spirit realm with him. And I encourage you to see this movie because you're not going to understand what I'm saying unless, you know, you go see it. But um, there's this moment where the main character has to stop him from going. And he turns to the main character and the boy says... The little boy says, and he's nine, he says, every day is hard without him. When I get up, I think it's going to be a dream. And then I'm reminded again that he's gone. Maybe if I go in there, I'll be able to see him because life is just too hard without him. And you guys, I was bawling in the theater. 
I did not think the movie was going to go in that direction. I had I had went to the mall that day and I had bought myself like this little ornament um, with little two little snowmen, uh, a dad and, and a little kid, and it says "Dad and me, warm and cozy." And I was already thinking of my dad. And I've been, you know, trying to get myself out of my comfort zone. Like I said in my last episode, I'm going to see Wicked when it premieres um, on the Broadway tour here where I live and in Kentucky. And I am so excited about that. And I'm like trying to get out of my comfort zone and do things, you know, and get out, which and which it's it's way too hot this this week to venture out. I I do not like the heat. My body doesn't like it. I have, I have a very big, huge heat sensitivity thing. But, um, so the fact I'm in the movie theater and I had bought that and was already thinking of my dad because there were other things in the Hallmark Gold Crown store that reminded me of him. And then for that scene to come on, I was bawling. I was crying because it felt like I wrote it. And... I loved the movie because the movie has, because after the, after the nine-year-old kid says this to the main character, the main character says, and I can't remember his name at the, off the top of my head right now. It's like, it's almost four o'clock in the morning, guys. I should totally be in bed, but like I'm wide awake. But anyway, um, uh, the, the main character says they know that we missed them. They know that that we miss them every day, and they and they 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 know that we miss them. They know that we want them to be proud of us, and they are. But the one thing that we have to remember is we have to keep living because that's what they would want us to do. So, your dad doesn't want you to go in there. He wants you to live, and so. That's a good lesson. And movies should totally teach us that. You know, we should go on an emotional journey of roller coasters of emotions in movies. And it has been a while since a movie has made me laugh and cry in years, okay? Um, and the other lesson is that family doesn't have to be blood. You know, like, these people come to this house, you know, to help them with the ghosts. And they basically become a makeshift family without even realizing it and become close at the end. And it basically shows, you know, you can pick your family. Your family doesn't have to be blood. If you find someone who loves you for who you are and is willing to jump in front of a car or is willing to jump up and defend you at a moment's notice, that is the people you're supposed to stay with. And I have people like that. My best friend, Jennifer, my best friend, Michelle, and Jennifer's children are my family, and I love them with all my heart. In fact, Jennifer had her birthday on Sunday. I love her so much. Um, I, can't, I can't believe it. And she had a great birthday um, with her children, and she loved her birthday present I got her. She's a big, huge Friends fan. <laughs> and I got her a coffee cup from the Hallmark Gold Crown that says, Had a bad day? Pivot! And then I got her a friend's charm bracelet off of Amazon that I found when I was looking for something else 
You always find something else when you're looking for something else on Amazon. But I absolutely loved Haunted Mansion 2023. I would highly recommend it. Um, I didn't do that much spoilers because out of context, what I basically told you, you'd have to watch the whole movie to actually get what I'm talking about. But whenever it hits Disney+, Plus, I highly recommend you getting it. Or when it goes on DVD or Blu-ray, whatever they're releasing it by now. Um, but I'm, but I was very happy and pleased and I didn't regret going and seeing it. It was a great, great movie. And I probably won't be going to see any other movies in theaters because there's just not anything interesting coming out. All right. With that being said, um, I'm going to end it here. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Um, if you happen to be under an an excessive heat warning. I hope you stay cool. I know I am. Um, I hope everybody is safe in California and wherever else Hurricane Hillary is going to hit, which I hate that they named it Hurricane Hillary because that's just weird. But then again, they named a tropical storm Dawn and they called my dad Dawn, so I thought that was cool. <laughs> they named a tropical storm after my dad. <laughs> um, but anyway... You are loved, you matter, and I am so happy that you are alive, you're here for a reason, and you are enough. And I am so grateful that I have so many listeners in various countries. I love and respect you, even though I haven't met you. So think of me whenever you watch Murder, She Wrote, Happy Crime Solving, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye now.